Hello and welcome once again to Wrestling Memories Then and Now on Pioneer 90.1 FM KSRQ. You can check us out beyond the FM dial at radionorthland.org. Listen to us live right in the moment. You can also listen to us live on TuneIn too. But listen to us live at our website. Or if you missed out, you know, things happen. You got a life. You know, you, you didn't quite uh, make the time this week to listen to it live and in the moment. You can always check it out in the archives. Radionorthland.org slash Rasslin' Memories. We got it there. Rasslin' Memories then and now. I'm Glenn Broggett, along with uh, the man down there in the, the deep in the heart of Texas and at the moment of this recording. Uh, I don't know if... Uh, it, 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 what's the deal going on, man? Is there uh, weather warnings? What What's the haps here? It's great to have you back, my friend. The Grizzle Vet Mike McCurdy, or uh, he might have to go find Noah here. What's, what's, the, what's the story? And welcome to Rasslin' Memories, Mike. Oh, I'm always glad to be back, man. But yeah, right now, at the time of this recording, we're a uh, severe thunderstorm morning. Going to have some uh, heavy rain and some winds coming through. So it should be a hoot. Had flash floods here uh, the last couple of nights. So luckily, I'm a little elevated, so I don't have to worry about the floods. I'm a little more worried about Mother Nature and them lightning bolts going off above my head. So, But right now, we're cool. We're good. Wind's blowing a little bit. A little bit of rain. But you know what? Nothing's going to keep me away from wrestling memories. Yes, yes, it's good to have you here, man. And uh, this this is the sacrifices this man makes for the craft to talk professional wrestling then and now. He's out there in the car. He's just kind of just hoping. He's looking out, out the window. He's like, man, don't, don't lightning. Just take it easy for now. Take it easy for now. I got wrestling memories to talk about. I've got a guest that we booked again, backed by popular demand, because we, and also backed by a promise that we made, Mike. Uh, this is definitely going to be uh, worth risking life limb in that mobile studio of yours today. Oh, definitely. And as we speak, I hear the rumble of thunder right above my head. So here we go. This is is going to be fun. But yeah, man, we brought this guest back. Didn't have a long time to talk with him last time, unfortunately. And you and I had a lot more questions. So including some stuff has come up since he's been a guest that I'd like to get his opinion on. So Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop the clock, as a famous limo driver once said. Uh, yeah, let's uh, stop the uh, the tease and let's welcome him back to the program. We only gave you a little taste here uh, not too long ago. Now you're going to get the full meal deal and even a little bit of dessert. Welcome the man who brought us wrestle crap. The man who looks at rest- the lighter side of wrestling, could find the humor in some of wrestling's... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, not so humorous moments, and yeah, bloopers and the like. He's back, Artie Reynolds. Uh, welcome to Wrestling Memories. Welcome back to Wrestling Memories. Then and now, you've opened up a little bit of t- a little bit extra time for us this week, and it's always a pleasure, man, to have a repeat guest. Well, I am very thankful to be on, but I have to say I am wildly disappointed that Michael is there. He's in Texas. There's storms going on. There's a Texas tornado coming along, and we don't get one Kerry Von Eric mention. Seriously? I'm going to put that one in Mike's uh, corner here. Mike, what, what's the deal what's with wrong that? wrong with you guys? Come on. I thought you were professionals. <laughs> I, I guess, man. I'm in the right area. I am in Dallas-Fort Worth, so I am in DFW, so I am in Von Eric territory. So, you know, that one slipped right by me. So I apologize for that one. You need to go to wherever the sportatorium used to be, and I just want you to bow your head in shame. Man. I have been where the sportatorium used to stand. I could send you a photo. <laughs> we'll let you fly. <laughs> that was a one fabulous lance of a comment that didn't get made, Mike. I mean, the timing, what happened? I, now I'm feeling extra bad that I didn't come up with anything either. That was such a wide open there. Uh, easy one to grab, but... 
it's good to have you back, R.D., because last time, you know, we merely, merely uh, touched the surface on a couple of items of interest uh, from the world of professional wrestling. And I got a chance to uh, chat with you a couple, about a couple of things uh, involving the AWA. And, you know, we talked about the team's challenge series, of course, the, the Battle of the Breakfast cereals. I mean, that was uh, just enough to where we could have went on and on. Uh, you know, today I, I wanted to ask a few, you know, talk about a few things uh, and continue that AWA role if you're down with that. Sure, of course. All right, all right. You know, I watch a lot of the AWA, and uh, there's a, just a few random things I, I want to just kind of throw in. Uh, you know, and it's always easy when we talk in, you know, about the AWA in a humorous light that we go to the Wrestle Rock Rumble. I'm going to go beyond that, man. I want to just go to that. Just, I mean, from the time they first started those tapings to the time they wrapped them up, ESPN on, AWA on ESPN. I mean, that what a show. I mean, but what a venue. I mean, they first started out in the Tropicana in Atlantic City, New Jersey. But the place that when people think AWA, and uh, you know, and this some sometimes some weeks this place looked just downright sad. Was the showboat? I mean, AWA at La, in Las Vegas. This wasn't exactly uh, the Sahara or the Sands back in the day. This was, uh, I don't know, a rather kind of generic presentation from a television standpoint. Right. I remember. <clears throat> I remember them being in Vegas, and the things I remember about the AWA in Vegas were you would see, I mean, they would bring in, because it was like a, you know, I mean, it was like a revolving door of talent that was coming and leaving and, and everything else. Like, at the time, they were having a really hard time trying to maintain any of their top talent. So you would see people that would come in and then they would vanish. But the one guy that I remember coming in, and it was the first time I ever saw him, was Diamond Dallas Age. Good God! And he came in, and he was he was managing um, Bad Company, and this was back when you could play like you know music, you know famous songs, you know, and and you wouldn't get uh, you know hunted down for uh, you know copyright infringement. So he would come out with Bad Company, and I just I remember Diamond Dallas Page. I don't know why. I remember that. I think it was because he became so famous. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was it was a real revolving door, you know, for them. And yeah, th- those Vegas uh, TV tapings weren't the best. Yo, and that you talked about the revolving door, and that brings back uh, some memories of, that come to mind here for me about the AWA, the old showboat. Was like some weeks, you know, you'd see like Ricky Morton would be there for a little bit, and then you had like Mike Rotundo mm-hmm. would be there, and then you'd have like Don Fargo would pop in and work enhancement talent, and Don Fargo at the time, you know what? God bless him. He didn't exactly have artwork that was uh, most very endearing uh, to uh, our, our friends in the Jewish community, and that was right on ESPN National TV uh, for uh, at least a few weeks worth of tapings. It was just kind of that oddball sort of thing where now you see him, now you don't, and that was another example. Yeah, I mean, it was always, <clears throat> again, you would get away with stuff, and people just didn't even think about it. Uh, and I, it was, I always say it's a product of its time, but on something like that, you would think, yeah, you know, somebody's probably should have caught that even at that time so yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a few more memories uh you know one of the guys uh, that uh, and, and i believe he's not uh, no longer with us was one of these guys you know that they they pushed for a while down in the awa in the middle late 80s they gave him a few matches on the on the show but uh, on the show those showboat tapings 
And this guy, he had a, an imposing look. He had a big frame, big bodied guy. He could have, they could have done something with him. But boy, once he got into the ring and started wrestling, he became a hazard uh, to any of the guys that he wrestled in the ring just because of his just green, somewhat sloppy manner in the ring. And then what the hell did he have in that bag? I'm talking about when I think AWA uh, showboat era. I think Rocky Mountain Thunder. Oh man! See, and the whole time I was sitting there thinking, you're going to talk about uh, Jake the Milkman Milliman. That's what I was really thinking you were going. <laughs> no, Rocky Mountain Thunder. I mean, this guy, he had like the oddest head of hair, too. I don't know what the hell he was doing with that hair. He had a weird like half mountain man, half spandexy outfit at times. And some of the, you watch some of the matches uh, that he wrestled in, with, with some of the enhancement guys. And it was downright just dangerous. And he didn't know, I, I was just afraid, amazed that he uh, got in the ring and got the time he did. Because he, that was just awful. Awful, awful, awful. But again, I mean, they were they were looking for talent, and you gotta you gotta have people to put on TV. And if you have somebody young, you, you don't know you don't know when somebody's gonna catch fire and really catch on with a with the with the crowd. Uh, so you try different things, and most of the time they fail. And it's not even just them. It wasn't even just AWA. But I mean, that's true across the board. I mean. You, you're not going to get, you know, a, uh, you know, you're not going to have a Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, every time you try and push somebody. You're gonna, you're gonna wind up with a lot of, you know, uh, people that just don't, just don't. Uh, the, the fans just don't take to. Uh, another memory, too, as I, I get close to wrapping up, uh, talking about the mighty showboat was, you know, when Tommy Rich, remember when Tommy Rich had his run with the AWA? I mean, good, there's another big moment that, you know, the, the whole arm wrestling thing that he did with Kevin Kelly when he first broke in, uh, into, the, into the AWA and got on TV, uh, whether it be on showboat or on the, from the showboat on the syndicated or the ESPN show. The, the, the incident that strings out was that arm wrestling match that he had with Kevin Kelly and and I always wondered this, and I still do when I watch the clip. How did Sherry Martell end up with more clothes on after she got her dress ripped off? It just <laughs> I think that was that was the fashion of the eighties. Oh, because she's not the only 80s? one that, that that happened with. Oh my! It was like she pulled it off, and I'm like, and she's acting. You know, of course, she's got to play the role of just the the embarrassment that you know on her face and all this selling and the embarrassment. But I'm like looking, I'm like. That's the same amount of clothes. I don't think that's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That might have been one of those... Uh, I don't know. Maybe Vern had to be involved with the booking on that one. But it just seems so odd that uh, Tommy Rich came in. Because, you know, that was one another one of those uh, guys that we'd read about, you know, through the After Magazines back in the day. And, you know, and you'd read about his past and have, you know, that uh, short NWA world title run. His runs and you know, of course, Georgia Championship and all this. You're getting ready, getting excited. And what's he doing? He comes in. He, he comes in at a time that the AWA was, you know, starting to fall. They were, they were on their back. They were beginning to slide a little bit more. I mean, Kurt Henning was still there champion but oh boy when Tommy came in it just seemed like you know it was just like another missed opportunity and it just didn't seem like the the best fit either yeah it's so funny you mentioned the after mags (laughs) because I am not making this up uh while we've been on the phone I saw that uh Bill after was trying to trying to get a hold of me so he had just called it's so funny because a lot of people don't even know what the after mags are and it's I mean that's like such a awesome part of wrestling history you know you had these wrestling magazines that were on store shelves and 
you know, drug stores and grocery stores, and this is where you would go and you would get your wrestling news. Uh, and it, it was largely, I mean, it was an independent group that wrote about the different wrestling promotions, and they would most of the time just make things up, you know, just to, so they would have their own storylines to write about. Sometimes that wasn't the case, but, yeah, I love those. I love the aftermags. Oh, just, just love them, love them, love them. I'm actually doing something with the... Uh, with uh this is so funny this is creepy it's creepy we're talking about vegas we're talking about the after mags and i'm actually doing something with bill after in three weeks in las vegas so that's uh really really weird it's starcast too so mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's coming up here as we are recording today and uh, you say you're working on something with bill after for the for the event and you're you know as far as uh, starcast uh, i want to bring in mike mccurdy because mike has been a, he was actually when it came the first starcast he was able to watch some of that and and, and he has a very vested interest in uh, the second one coming up so mike i want to let you uh, ask a few questions to our guest today mr Artie reynolds Oh, definitely. And you say vested interest in the StarCast. I watched everything on StarCast. And uh, yesterday I just ordered StarCast 2, so I'm looking forward to this because, in my opinion, anything with Bill Apter is going to be gold. I love Bill. I've had a chance to talk with him on many occasions. The guy is the guy is great, even after, you know, the After Magazine and all that, you know. Slick Willie still got it going on. I love Bill Apter. But what I want to kind of talk about a little bit, we're going we're gonna to skip away from Minnesota. We're going to come to my neck of the woods. We're going to come to Texas for a few minutes. I didn't get a chance to talk about this. But uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about after World Class left, a new group came in. I think you know where I'm going with this. And this is Global Wrestling Federation. Absolutely. Global Wrestling Federation as a whole, as a whole has an inclusion in your, your website, unfortunately. But a lot of names came from there. People don't realize that. You know, you had the Handsome Stranger, which, you know, Buff Bagwell. You had the Ebony Experience. Absolutely. Then you had a guy also that I, I've heard about him before. But you have guys like Rasta the Voodoo Man. People don't remember Rasta the Voodoo Man. But this was kind right. of what Global Wrestling Federation was presenting when they first started. Don't forget. I mean, if we're going to talk global and you're talking about people that were famous that came from there, of course, Harlem Heat, <clears throat> Booker T., uh, that was one of his first stops. But if we're going to talk global, we got to talk about the bungee cord match, man. Come on. I, I, I was going to bring that up. Chad yes. Taylor is a good friend of mine. Chad Taylor is a good friend of mine. I've actually had a chance to interview him and got his side of the story of the bungee cord match. So, But, yes, we definitely got to talk a little bit about the bungee cord match and, of course, you know, me and my or maniac Mike Davis after the bungee cord match. There, uh, I, well, I, am, I just... I want to hear the side of the bungee cord match because I have never, I have never heard it from one of the participants. So please do explain. Explain to the listeners because they may not know what the bungee cord match was. Explain to the listeners what this match was, and then I would love to hear more about someone that was actually in the middle of this. Well, excuse me, got a little bit cold going on here. The bungee cord match, unfortunately, was it was on top of a large crane. That's where they fought on. The object of the match was you had to knock your opponent off of the crane. They were attached with a bungee cord, and they would plummet to the ground below. It was Chaz Taylor and Stephen Dane. And talking to Chaz, they had it all planned out, but right before, there was supposed to be a camera recording up where they were at. But due to weather and logistics, 
Before they're going to shoot the match, they were not able to do that. That's why the entire match is filmed from the ground up. So anybody watching the match, you see it from down below. You see it from the spectator point of view. So it was a last minute, unfortunate. We didn't figure this into account. We just, and they did the best they could. If you talk to Chaz, I can find the, and I'll find the interview for you already. I'll send you a link to it. You can take a listen to it yourself. You know, but like I said, awesome. no chance for a while. He'll always talk about the bungee cord match. But yeah, the bungee cord match is kind of famous because unfortunately due to <laughs> technical difficulties, they had to film it from the ground up. So you didn't really see anything. Occasionally you'd see, you know, somebody leaning over the rail. You'd see a arm or a leg or something because it was just the way of the ankle. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was uh, just fascinating. But again, I mean... It, it, that's the thing you have to keep in mind. People aren't just trying to come up with, okay, who can be the who can be our next star? They're trying to come up with some type of spectacle that people would want to, that would grab someone's attention. And you think about it, and you're like, okay, I'm going to put two people up on a crane. I'm going to shove one of them off. They're going to fall to their demise, but thankfully they have a bungee cord attached. You know, I mean, it, that's something I guarantee you is after we talk to people of, you know, on this show, people are going to go to YouTube and they're going to try and find that bungee cord match because it's so absurd. So in that sense, I guess it succeeded, even though Global didn't. Yeah. And the bungee cord is an easy match to find, too. You just go on YouTube. It's it's everywhere. You know, and Chaz realizes, you know, that's a lot of what people remember. He's very, you know, open about it. I mean, if you want a chance to talk with him, he will gladly talk to you about, you know, the bungee cord match. He admits that at that point in time, you know, this is kind of what he's going to be known for out of global. Everybody's going to remember that. But, you know, he's a good-hearted guy. And I'm kind of surprised that the originator, the leader, the, the, the man who came up with WrestleCrap has never talked to a participant from the bungee cord match. I'm amazed. Yeah, I, that I, I'm, I'm one of you. I'm shocked by that. I, I'm, I'm hanging my head in shame in a manner that suggests that I should hide my head in some kind of ridiculous mask, some kind of ridiculous wrestling mask, perhaps like a Mantar mask or something. Half man, half bull. Yeah, that's what I need. I well, need a Mantar mask. If anyone has one of those... Well, we can talk to Jim Cornette. Maybe he has it. There you go. I dig. I dig. Maybe Cornette's got the Mantar mask. Who knows? I've had a chance to talk with Cornette about Mantar, too, and you know, he's always got his story. That was the last minute. You're going to manage man car. And he's like, well, shit. All right. <laughs> well, again, and that's, <clears throat> one of the things I've always tried to do is not mock the people involved. <clears throat> Excuse me. Like, you know, Cornette with Mantar or, you know, Chaz with the, with the bungee cord mask match, because he's being asked, the promoters are asking these guys to do these things. It's, most of the time, it's not something they came up with. And they're like, you know, it would be a really great idea. If I went out and wore a giant bull head on top of my head, I'm not going to wrestle in it, but it, it would, you know, it's so big I can't even fit it through the ropes. It's generally not their idea. Usually somebody else comes up with that idea. So I was trying to be very careful not to mock the people involved because they're just trying to put, you know, trying to put food on the table. No different than oh, exactly. uh, you know, uh, any of us going to our jobs. Uh, it's no different than me trying to, you know, write things on the website, just trying, trying to help my family out 
and uh, in the case of uh, Restaurant, just trying to make some people laugh. Sometimes it's uh, it's very easy to uh, easy to do whenever I can just post, you know, something like the bungee cord match, match or uh, mantar, you know. Sometimes it's not as simple, but <clears throat> always trying to look at the lighter side of things. Well, of course, when it comes to, you know, the promoter, the owner coming up with the ideas, you know, you can always go back to, uh, you know, WCW, go back to the Jim Hurd days, and you came up with the ding-dongs, uh, whatever he came up with. I think that was when PN News came in. That's when you had the Spider-Man wannabe. You you also had the Rock idea of they never made a TV with Iraq. There you right. go. He has a name. Sorry, I tried to forget these things. Arachnaman. I tried to forget this thing. Arachnaman. It's there we kind go. Kind of like Spider-Man, but it's not. It's more. It's more technical. It's more scientific. And a lot of it's smarter. Okay, yeah. You know, WCW is smarter with Arachnaman than Stan Lee was with Spider-Man. Well, and the sad part about it is, I was a very talented wrestler underneath that. You know, sure. underneath the mask, and he was doing the job that was given to him. And if also, if you look at it, you know, look at our bar. Our bar went on, you know, Gringos Locos team with Eddie Guerrero, one of probably the greatest tag team wrestlers of that time. But before that, he was the juicer, which actually was a takeoff of what he was doing in Portland before that, which I believe is kind of started by Roddy Piper of Beetlejuice, which is a play on the movie. And But once again, a guy doing what he's asked to do. And a lot of these gimmicks and, you know, your, your WrestleCraft entries are just a guy doing what he's asked to do because they think, hey, this is going to put butts in the seats. And sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Exactly. That's exactly it. Now, while I got you here, we're going to talk about StarCast 2 coming up, plus last year's StarCast. But I said we were going to talk a little bit about something that happened since you were last on. And I think you might know what I'm, I'm going to go with this. And just within the last couple of weeks, a superstar has come back to Monday Night Raw. Not quite in the form we were expecting. I know I was a little... I'm still kind of trying to figure out where they're going with this. And this is what WWE has come up with for the return of Bray Wyatt. I would like to get your take on the Firefly Funhouse and what we've seen so far. I love oddball stuff like that. Because you don't know. <clears throat> I mean, as, as I watch it, I just kind of think, okay, this is something I know I'm going to be writing about in the future. I am a huge huge, huge Mr. Rogers fan. And, you know, that he's doing this kid show kind of thing. You, you look at it and you go, okay, well, you know, that's interesting. It's way different than what he has done in the past. But then you, oh, okay, you can do these vignettes. And vignettes are fine. I'm a huge fan of introductory vignettes. I love vignettes. I think back to uh, Scott Hall whenever he came into the WWF as Razor Ramon. And they had these amazing vignettes where he's down in Cuba and he's, you know, the bad guy, ML Fa, you know, and he, you know, tells the, the girls, you know, the one girl I'll never forget, she comes up and goes, I thought we had something, Razor. And he's like, no, you had something, Chica. You had a good time. And then he, like, threw her through the toothpick at her. I mean, having stuff like that so you can sit there and go, okay, what is this wrestling character all about? What's this wrestler all about? <clears throat> Excuse me. You want to see that, and you get interested. 
I think it's something WWE has needed to do for years because they very rarely do it. They bring up people from NXT, and they, I think they think everyone watches NXT, and the vast majority of their, of their audience doesn't. So it would be really good. Take three, four weeks. Do a series of vignettes. Film those things so people understand, okay, this guy is coming in. The, the, um, whoever they may be bringing in. Let's say they bring in the Velveteen Dream from, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, from NXT to Raw. Take three or four weeks. Don't just debut him out, you know, there with nothing. Have several weeks where you have little vignettes, 45 seconds, minute and a half, whatever. Vignettes where it's showing, okay, this is what I'm all about. This is what my character is all about. This is who I am. And they're basically doing that with Ray Wyatt. But my question is this. We've all seen Ray Wyatt before. We know what Ray Wyatt is, you know, his wrestling matches and everything. We understand what those are about. We had seen him. Whenever he comes in as the fire uh, fly funhouse guy, okay, what's going to be different? I mean, is he going to wrestle in the cardigan? Is he, you know, going to be a super-duper nice guy? and Or is it just going to be, okay, I'm going to go back to being, I'm going to, once I get in the ring, I'm going to wrestle just like Bray Wyatt. I'm going to use the same holds. I'm going to use the same, you know, Sister Abigail finish. What What is he going to do with that? You can't just have vignettes if they don't lead to something that you are going to carry over uh, against opponents in the ring. So I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to say, see where they're going to go, uh, but past recent history has shown me I probably shouldn't get my hopes up too much. That would, that would probably be a good idea. I've heard everything from it's a he's like in an, he was in an insane asylum, and this is like the world he's created in his mind. I've also heard that he's going to be like a Pied Piper character that's going to like be a cult leader for small children. So I'm I'm kind of wondering if maybe even they know where they're going with this. But I love Bray Wyatt. I've always liked the character. I don't think they did enough with him, unfortunately. I think they dropped the ball like they do with a lot of guys that, like you said, they bring up from NXT and or wherever, and they don't know what to do with them. And they drop the ball. It's it's unfortunate. They've got so much great talent, but then they get there and they go, oh well, okay, just go out and do. You know, this, you know, case in point, Alistair Black and Ricochet, they brought him in their tag team. No way, Superstar Shake ever going to split him up. Okay, right. so now you got Ricochet who's just kind of there and who actually lost last week because now they're like, eh, we'll go a different direction. Well, and I think that the, the thing is, number one, uh, please, please, I just ask this whole, we're going to have a wrestler as a Pied Piper for children. That's the, that's the, Worst idea I've ever heard. <laughs> and trust me, I've written about terrible wrestling ideas for 20 years. I do not want any wrestler uh, being a Pied Piper for children. That's all I ask. I'm a simple man. I don't ask a lot. But please, please don't do that. That sounds absolutely like nothing good could possibly come from it. As far as them bringing people... Oh, I want 100% agree. ...term plans. I mean, there's no long-term plans, you know, and, until you until you just determine, okay, here are the people I'm going to bring in. Here's here's what I'm going to do with these people. You know, I want to take time 
and see if anyone catches on. You'd mentioned Ricochet. You know, super talented guy. But if you have him come in and in his second week, he's just losing matches and you don't really understand who he is or what he is all about. He had no, had no introductory vignettes. There was no buildup to him coming in. <clears throat> if you don't do that, if you don't give reason for people to anticipate someone coming in, okay, great. You can bring somebody in with no build, but you have to make them special. You got to make them special when you see them on TV. You can't have them be an afterthought. It has to be something where you really make someone special right away. Uh, and they just have shown uh, in recent times that they don't have the ability or the desire to do that with anyone. You know, speaking of vignettes, that's kind of the stuff I grew up in. And uh, some of my favorite vignettes, and this kind of relates to Bray Wyatt, because they've kind of given some of the elements of this character to him. And they've even made references to Firefly Funhouse. And that was when they brought in Dan Spivey for the Waylon Mercy character. Granted, once he got in the ring, it wasn't great because, you know, Dan Spivey was good at the time, but probably not one of the best. But the vignettes were amazing. The vignettes were great. I remember the one where he talks about he's got a rock and he's all, this is a rock. This is war. You throw a rock in a war, it makes a ripple. So I'm going to make waves. And he saw but you loved it because he just came across as this uber creepy, who is this? But unfortunately, when he got there, once again, didn't know what to do with him, and then it kind of died off. But they've kind of resurrected it with some of the elements of that character when they came up with Bray Wyatt, in my opinion. Right, right, yeah. The You know, the, the thing with <clears throat> Waylon Mercy is, is we're talking about. I, I I mean, his vignettes, yeah, they they were they were amazing. They were really good. I remember when he, he was talking about, oh, look at this earworm I got. And, and a lot of that, it's interesting we were talking about Razor Ramon, because, of course, he was a Scarface ripoff. Uh, and uh, Waylon Mercy was, in large part, uh, you know, pulled from Cape Fear, uh, which I think Matt the original Cape. movie came out in the 50s, 60s. And then they, but they had done a, uh, they had done a version of it with Robert De Niro, you know, uh, years later in the, in the early 90s, late 80s, I can't remember. And it was, it was something, again, you wanted to see, okay, what is this guy all about? Uh, with him, it was kind of weird because they had him come out and he looked like a, a guy that was driving an ice cream truck. I mean, his pants were all white, and it was it was very strange. Uh, and then, of course, with, with uh, Waylon Mercy, I mean, his uh, Dan Spivey, his knees were, were going out on him, and it was, he was pretty much gone uh, from the business entirely after, after that. It's too bad because... You know, I think, again, that character could have had legs, just like, you know, and they did. They, a lot of the, uh, uh, you know, uh, a lot of the character now was really something that could have been really interesting. Uh, but I think they kind of, they kind of ran out of things to do uh, with Bray Wyatt. And I think that they really didn't know, okay, we've done this for a while. But what, where do we go next with him? So, you know, it's something different. I'll say that. I'm really glad that they're doing different things. That's a plus. Any, anything that's different. I agree, but I'm also with you. No childlike cult leader, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, I'm going to skip forward a little bit here. We're, we're going to get, well, we may not get away from the wrestle crap. I'm going to skip forward a little bit. We're going to talk about uh, Las Vegas, StarCast 2. But we'll kind of lead up to that by talking about last year's StarCast. 
you had, of course, the WrestleCraft panel, which I thought was great. I loved watching you guys. But you also had the death of WCW, where you got to go one-on-one with Eric Bischoff. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I thought that was great, because for our listeners who may not know, you did write a book back with Brian Alvarez, The Death of WCW, which actually has come out with a, you came out with a 10th anniversary edition a couple years back. But, you know, you wrote about the death of WCW before the Nitro book that just recently came out. And this is kind of what you talked about with Bischoff, but what kind of led up to that? And, you know, let's talk a little bit about the StarCast experience, because that was a first-time thing, which I think it turned out to be phenomenal, and I think it's going to have got some legs going on in the future. Obviously, we've got two, and I'm sure there'll be more in the future, because the fans really seem to enjoy it. Yeah, I I, I uh, really love StarCast. I cannot say enough good things about uh, Conrad, who runs it all. Uh, he is he is uh, <clears throat> he's a he is a fascinating guy, Conrad. He is got his hands it, it, he's got his fingers in so many different things, and he's trying to do so many different things. And Starcast is it's so different than other wrestling conventions I've been at because I mean he's bringing in I mean people that you would never think would show up to these, you know, wrestling conventions. He's getting them, and he's putting together really interesting panels as well. And it's just a lot of fun. I was really honored to be able to, <clears throat> whenever they came to me and said, hey, would you, uh, you know, would you go debate Eric Bischoff? And I said, yeah, I'd love to, you know, because uh, I never had a problem. It's so funny because it, people, I think, believe if I write something and I say, well, you know, uh, you know, Eric Bischoff made mistakes, they think that I think, well, you hate Eric Bischoff. I was like, no, I don't hate Eric. I've never met Eric Bischoff. You know, uh, I would not have any problem with Eric Bischoff uh, other than the fact that I think that, you know, he, he helped to uh, ruin WCW. Um but it, 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 so it, I was very, <clears throat> excuse me, I was very honored to be able to go uh, talk with not only him, but other people behind the scenes in WCW. Uh, Kevin Sullivan was uh, fantastic. People know him as the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan. But he was also involved, greatly involved uh, in WCW at the time, uh, you know, whenever they were collapsing. And other people, you know, David Penzer. That was a lot of fun, and I really, really appreciated the opportunity to do that. Um, Bischoff and, you know, he had told me before we went on stage, and I actually had never met him until the day before. And it was <laughs> it was so funny whenever I met Eric Bischoff because, as you mentioned, I was doing the WrestleCraft panel as well. So we were doing all this goofy stuff for the WrestleCraft panel. We had the gobbledygooker outfit. We had Katie Vick in a casket, the ridiculous stuff. And we're, wa- we're going around and we were supposed to go do a, a, a autograph signing. So we went and uh, we're wheeling the casket in and we're, we've got a guy in the Oz robe and, and uh, you know, one of the guys was wearing the gobbledygooker outfit. So we come in and in one corner is where we were signing autographs. Across from us was Sean Walton, Sean Waltman, X-Pac, uh, you know, and then in, in another corner 
was Eric Bischoff. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. I'd walked past Eric several times at the convention. He didn't know what I looked like. You know, he'd never see me. And, and, and you know, people may know my voice and, and they know my writing, but it's never, I've never been on, you know, any major uh, television. So people, you know, I kind of have a little bit of anonymity, you know, with my persona. And so I went up to him and I thought, well, I can't just, you know, he's, it would be really jerkish if I were to not say something to him. So I went over and I shook his hand and I said, uh, hi, Eric, uh, you know, nice to see you. Uh, I'm Artie Reynolds. And he kind of looked at me and he looked over at the casket and he looked over at the gobbledygooker and all this, the circus that we had brought to town. And he just buried his head in his hands and just went, Oh, Jesus Christ. Like it was, he was so disgusted, but, uh, you know, it was really funny, but he talked to me before we went on stage and he said, you know, just for the record, I, I don't do comedy. I, I don't, I'm not a funny guy. I'm, I can be, I can play the role of a jerk incredibly well. He goes, but I don't do comedy. And I just said, well, you know, that's, that's what I do. You know, I mean, that's, that's, you know, I, I try and make light of everything. And so we got on stage and, um, I, uh, he, he, we, we start, I started talking a little bit and brought up the fact that, you know, the first death of WCW, the first version of it had this awful picture of Eric Bischoff on the cover. Hey, just the dirt worst photo you could possibly find. And, uh, I was the one that picked it out <laughs> and it was really not very nice that I would, you know, have a book that had this terrible picture of somebody on the cover. And there's that person, you know, sitting next to me at this convention, you know, 15 years later. And I said, you know, Eric, I really owe you an apology, you know, for, for doing that. I said, but I think we can make some money, uh, uh, you know, with that picture if you're, if you're up for it, I said, uh, you know, I can make t-shirts and I unzip my jacket and I had this picture, that awful picture of Bischoff and it was in like a heart. And I said, I also made some cuffs, you know, some cutouts, you know, on these sticks that we could hand out, like you see at different sporting events. Um, I said, I don't know how many of these do we have. And I, I said, I got a, I got a bargain, you know, if I bought a bunch of them. And so I asked my friend, a plant of mine that was sitting in the crowd, and I said, how many of these we got? And he said, I think we have about 500 of them. And I said, great, Eric would probably get really upset if I sold them, so just hand, hand them out to the crowd. Everybody can have one. And so we just kind of, I, I kind of tried to go into it with, a, with comedy. Eric did not appreciate the comedy. He wanted to be, play the role of the a-hole, and that was fine. What was really interesting about, you know, uh, meeting with him, uh, is afterwards, I mean, I talked to him and he'd said some things in the, on the show that was like, this doesn't really make sense. You know, <clears throat> some of the things he had said, and I was like, Eric, can you just be honest with me? I'm, you know, we're not on stage anymore. Just tell me the truth. Have you ever read death of WCW, this book you ate so much? And I'll never forget. He just looked me in the eye and he goes, I've never read it. And I never will. And I just started laughing and I said, that's amazing that you were able to debate for, you know, 
an hour and a half a book you've never read. I said that was that was really really impressive. Uh, and then we got some photos together, and he was he was really he was fine with me after that. I think he appreciated you know that I had the guts to go on stage with him. I think that people were really you know kind of shocked that I would do that. But to me, it was you know it's uh, you know let's go have some fun with it. That we don't not everything has to be taken so deadly serious, especially not professional wrestling. You know. I understand it whenever you, your your livelihood is involved with it. I totally get it. You got to take it serious. Uh, but at some level, I think that at any stage in life, people need it benefits people if they don't get so wired so tight. Now, before I pass the mic over to Glenn, if you don't mind my asking, uh, kind of what do you got in store for us for uh, in a couple weeks in Las Vegas for Starcast Two? Because you mentioned working on something with Bill after and you know. Gotta love Slick Willie style, you know. You know something good is gonna happen out of this. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really really looking forward to it. I'm gonna be uh, doing, I believe, uh, and I need to talk with Bill about it so we get everything finalized. But we're gonna be doing something. It was basically everything you wanted to know about the after mags, but were afraid to ask. And it, he will be uh, conducting that. Of course, he'll be he'll be the uh, you know the the, the main guy. Uh, but I'll kind of be the co-host there, uh, walk, you know, talking with him, you know, showing some ridiculous images that were from the aftermath, some of the ridiculous stories that were from the aftermath. But then people can ask all the questions, you know, how did you come up with the PWI 500? How, do, how does that actually set up? How were the rankings decided? How Did anybody ever get upset? You know, any of the wrestlers ever get upset if they weren't featured on the covers? Um uh, items like that, so we'll be doing a lot with that. Uh, then we're also doing a, uh, a WrestleCrap. Um, we're doing a WrestleCrap uh, little event, uh, and I'm not quite sure who's going to be there. Uh, and this guy, I think, is going to be there. Actually, I was trading some messages with him today, and we had talked in the past, and we met uh, for the first time at, at Starcast One, and it just had a great time. Uh, and that would be the legendary from ECW, quintessential stud muffin, Joel Gertner, who I just think is awesome. So obviously he's not Russell Crap, but we'll have a lot of fun because he's he has the gift for gab like you wouldn't believe. So I'm really looking forward to talking with Joel there. Hey, Joel was at a uh, CAC this past week with uh, Blue Meanie. They had a. Uh... They did a seminar with about character development. I would love to have Joel Gertner as a guest, but unfortunately, I just don't quite have the uh, don't quite have the contacts to get a hold of him on that one yet. Maybe you might be able to help us out with that a little bit. But I think Glenn and I could have a little fun with the quintessential stud muffin on the show. Oh, he and he is so. I mean, that was the guy that really should have been in. I would have loved to had him in WWE during the Attitude Era. He would have been so huge. Because he is so incredibly talented. Yeah, and I'm hoping Meanie will be there. I, actually, it was funny because I met Meanie for the first time there, too. And I'm a huge, I was a huge fan of the Blue World Order uh, in ECW. I thought those guys were just fantastic. Just fantastic. I mean, Stevie Richards, I'll never forget, you know, part of the, the most fun part of the Raven character to me, well, aside from Beulah McGillicuddy, now that I'm thinking about it, but one of the greatest parts of, the Raven character, <clears throat> excuse me, was uh, Stevie Richards just being, you know, this putz 
and he was so, so awesome. Just another great guy. All right, well, I'm going to pass the mic over to Glenn for the uh, the next round of questions. I'm sure he's got a couple for you. And, uh, Glenn, it looks like, uh, you know, we were talking earlier, it looks like Harry Von Eric might be trying to show up a little bit. So, you know, pass the mic over to you and uh, a couple more questions for our guests. Yes, we have a little bit of time left here on the program this week. And you were talking about the uh, the Firefly Funhouse, the vignettes. You know, well, how do you, would you compare uh, that series of vignettes so far with, you know, and some of the stuff WWE has done lately with some of the things that Impact Wrestling has cooked up in the last three or four years and uh, up to even today recently with the uh, the whole uh, Rosemary uh, Alley and then eventually Alley's passing uh, battles with uh, Kevin Sullivan, Sue Young, and uh, Jim Mitchell. What do you think? Uh, I think Impact Wrestling is, uh, I don't know, I, I find these things uh, ridiculously interesting. I mean, I, it goes back, uh, you could say, go to the Broken Hardys uh, stuff, their epic uh, storylines. But Impact, after those guys left, they didn't just stop and brush that under the rug. They've really been heavily uh, dedicated to these uh, vignettes here since uh, the Hardys basically busted the door open for them. Well, I, I love stuff like that. I mean, I, <clears throat> excuse me, again, sometimes it can, it can go over the edge. It can be, it, it's such a fine line where you're trying to do something that is, you know, edgy and different, but you want to make sure you don't go too far over the edge. But sometimes you, <clears throat> sometimes you go screaming over the edge. I mean, that's what the Hardys did, right? I mean, Matt Hardy was, no one was talking about Matt Hardy, you know, before he came up with the, with this ridiculous broken Hardy's character. And, and, and that was so awesome. So I am totally on board. You want to have, you want to have things that are different in wrestling. I think that's one of the things that really hurts WWE is you have people in the promotion. They're all just kind of the same. There's nothing that's completely out there and completely ridiculous. Uh, so yeah, I'm totally on board. Uh, you know, especially with talented people uh, that that Impact has. I'm just so sad that Impact is. I mean, it's so difficult to find just to watch on. You don't watch anymore. It's they had it. They had a chance. They really did. And and people will point. Oh yeah, remember when they went head to head with WWE? And boy, that was really really stupid. It's like, well, yeah, they probably shouldn't have done that, but you got to try every once in a while. You got to say, okay, we're just going to try something. But I never thought it would get to the point that they would just, I, I thought they would die, but I never thought it would just kind of peter out, you know, to, to this level. And it's, it's really sad because, you know, now they're starting to have some shows that you know, are a lot of fun, but nobody's, nobody even knows that they're still around. Oh, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, I, I've have you know I've set my DVR to the Pursuit Channel, you know, and then they've had previously they were on Pop and they were on Destination America post Spike. But this Pursuit Channel business, there's some weeks where if I'm not paying attention, I got to go back in and recheck my DVR because they'll knock it down from a two hour thing to half hour segments. And enough, you know, it's an obscure channel enough already. But then when you got them messing with your settings that you have for your DVR, I, I, it's it's very frustrating, and it has to be frustrating for. Impact fans because this is really they've really upped their game as far as in-ring stuff here in the last couple of years too they've they haven't like 
you know, folded as far as their quality in ring. They just haven't had the, uh, the the coverage that they need to to keep it sustainable. And now you have a company like AEW uh, uh, on the horizon, casting a major shadow over them. Is it something where uh, hopefully uh, there could be some consolidation down the line or some working with the two companies? Because it just seems like everybody talks about when if it's not WWE, it's AEW, and Impact kind of gets lost in the shuffle sometimes. And it's not for a, a lack of good product. Even if it's not Impact, or excuse me, even if it's not AEW, you know, or WWE, I mean, they still have to now compete with, you know, New Japan's making inroads mm-hmm. into into the U.S. And so is Ring of Honor. I mean, Ring of Honor is yeah. is another name. And so you really look at it and you say, okay, Impact. They used to be easily the number two promotion, uh, and now they're like number four or five. It's it's crazy. Especially now that they're putting on good product, and you just sit there and go, man, if you would have put on this good product, you know, a few years ago, this would have been all the difference. But you know, they didn't, and uh, hence that's where we are today. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, and, and there's probably a lot of people that are hoping for it because a lot of talent is kind of interchanged. I mean, you can also uh, make the argument too for MLW down, you know, what Court Bauer's got going on as well. To add them to the company, uh, the mix of company names that have uh, started to put out some some decent pro- decent shows. But it just seems like is it going to be a point where uh, the, you know if they want to fight the big monolith that is the WWE, will there be a a return to the uh, the, the the initial good faith of what pro wrestling? USA could have been, but of course, dealing with promoters that didn't work out for crap in the end. But could there be something down yeah. the line if they're they're facing you know, especially with WWE getting these big contracts, getting exposure coming up on Fox in the fall? I mean, down the line, I mean, just for the survival of you know having competition in the sport, right? I mean, it, it, it consolidation is such a tricky tricky thing because you're dealing with egos, and I don't think that the egos of today, it's not like, you know, we started the show talking about the AWA, you know, and talking about Texas and, and I mean, you know, world-class and the AWA tried to do something together and it didn't, it didn't pan out. And I think that the egos involved in wrestling today are much less severe, but at the end of the day, you are still sitting there thinking, okay, this is my wrestling company. And I really want, you know, this is something I put together I really want it to, I want the light to shine the brightest on it. And I think that's always a challenge. It looks like we have a little bit of time left here on the program. You talked about uh, Kevin Sullivan. Uh, of course, I mentioned him too with uh, being involved with Impact. We talked about you know segments that were, were so awesomely bad. When we were talking about those, you know, the, the conversation about the Firefly Funhouse, uh, it brought me back. It wasn't necessarily a polished, slick production, but could you do you remember just just the severity of how bad that brief segment that they had with Dusty Rhodes and Jason Hervey, the do drop in. Do you remember that one, WCW early nineties? Oh, the dude drop, man. How could I forget? How seriously, bro? You're gonna ask me how? How could anyone <laughs> we can't see it. saw the dude drop in? Forget the dude drop in. Come on now. You can't unsee it, man. It's just I you remember. I just remember that thinking how you know Jason Hervey was like uh, he he was on like WCW Saturday Night when they did that ill fated talk show run. He guested on um, one of the episodes, and of course his well known uh, his relationship with Missy Hyatt. But this do drop in. I don't know how. I just remember seeing maybe I, my memory uh, gets a little rusty at times. But the episode I remember was Kevin Sullivan and One Man Gang. 
with a voodoo doll of all damn things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need more voodoo dolls in wrestling. <laughs> yeah, say what you will about Jason Hervey, and I've said many things over the years, but that he was with Missy Pryat, Missy Hyatt in her prime. I, it's like that's like the Trump card. You know what? What else can you say? Yeah, Respect. Missy Hyatt in her prime. Respect. How did you do? Uh, yeah, okay. You got you got me, Jace. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. He's always going to be Wayne Arnold to me, man. I just can't. Wayne Arnold <laughs> or that, that that little jerk that got you know that got Pee Wee's bike and and Big Adventure. Those are like when I think of Jason. Oh, absolutely, Harvey. absolutely. God, you think they could have done with him as a snarky heel? Just that that he's got the he's kind of a little guy and he's got a mouth that uh, yeah, that that could have been a short term little thing instead of oh, trying yeah. to babyface his ass. That just didn't work out. People, he's a face. That just looks slappable. I'm sorry. It just does look slappable. Yeah, exactly. You know? It's so funny because we're talking about slappable faces. And I've always thought the Miz was, he had the, he has a very slappable face too. And again, he has the Trump card, right? <laughs> yeah, have you seen my wife? Yes, I have. Trump card. Absolutely. But you know what, Miz? He gets to bring with him his, his awesomely fascinating father. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, trust me. Miz Dad is like one of my favorite characters in, in uh, WWE. Oh, he's so good. Cool. awesome. He just reminds me of, of, of guys' dads I grew up with, uh, you know, going to school up here in northwestern Minnesota. Sometimes they have kind of a look that's kind of far away, and you're wondering, boy, that guy must be lost mm-hmm. in thought. And probably in his head is probably... That's that Oh, look. Exactly. Well, before we head out uh, today, uh, do you have any info for the listeners that they want to check out uh, Russell Crap? Uh, check out your page, see where you at on social media? <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, the best place to catch me is WrestleCrap.com. We always have new material going up. I have a podcast, WrestleCrap Radio. also do a, a podcast with my, uh, broadcast, or my podcast partner, Blade Braxton, that is on Patreon. And you can check us out at Patreon. Uh, dot com slash WrestleCrap, but the best place is always WrestleCrap. You can catch me on Facebook. I'm on Twitter at uh, WrestleCrapRD, uh, but it's <clears throat> by far, <clears throat> by far the best place, uh, WrestleCrap.com. Well, I'm going to thank you uh, for being a, a great guest this week and having a little bit more time to chat with us today. It was fun. And we still, uh, there's so many things that, are, you know, the, the pro wrestling world has so much fodder for so many things to talk about, uh, you know, whether it be the uh, the lost uh, angle or a lost segment uh, to somebody. I mean, we, we, we could have uh, sat and talked about enhancement talent. That may be for another time because I think the name Goldie Rogers needs to be mentioned more times than not. So I would have... If we're talking enhancement talent, we will absolutely get uh, Blade Braxton on with us. For about 15 years, he wrote a more or less weekly column called Jobber of the Week. So he knows he knows enhancement talent better than anybody I know. So oh, that's, that's we will, a, I would love to do an enhancement talent show. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to work on something maybe sometime in the, in the summer or early fall. Great to have you back, my friend. Uh, again, thank you so much. And I want to thank the grizzled vet too, Mike McCurdy down there in Texas, man. Uh, are you, are you still going? Is the mobile uh, vehicle still on solid ground? Mobile studio. Still good. Still good. Uh, wind picking up a little bit of lightning here and there. So, uh, I'm ready to head back inside the shelter. So, but you know what? Got to do what I got to do. Talk some wrestling memories. Talk some wrestling crap, and 
you know, also, I think we have an upcoming episode later on down the road because I'd love to talk a little bit of enhancement talent uh, with R.D. and Blade Braxton. Sounds great. For the Grizzle Vet, Mike McCurdy and R.D. Reynolds, I'm Glenn Broggett. You've been listening to Wrestling Memories Then and Now.